take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. Hi friends, this is Rachel Gilmore from Path One Church Planting at Discipleship Ministries. Uh, coming to you with our latest edition of Field Preachers, I'm so excited to introduce you to our next church planter. His name is Christian Kuhn, and we met, oh my goodness, must have been like five or six years ago when he uh, and Trey Hall were on a pilgrimage with me in England where we learned more about John Wesley. Anyways, I had some of the worst wine of my life at Stonehenge with Christian, uh, and he has become a really great friend. I've learned a lot from him and Trey. They co-planted Urban Village Church together in Chicago um, over a decade ago, and it's grown into multiple campuses. It's an incredible story of friendship between Christian and Trey and also commitment to the community. So I cannot wait for you to learn more from Christian in this episode of Field Preachers. I'm Christian Kuhn, uh, (laughs) co-founder of Urban Village. I think I'm going to talk a little bit about the very beginnings of Urban Village and then jump 10 years to kind of where we are now. And I can answer questions about the in-between if that's appropriate. Uh, I was pastoring a suburban church. Uh, Jerry mentioned earlier the, kind of the dream to get another white straight guy uh, climbing the ladder. So I was serving a suburban wealthy community. Uh, our conference was doing, um, making a big push for church plants. And so I went through two-year training for people interested in that. Uh, I, I didn't think I was a planter when I started that process, but I thought I might learn some tools to help me in my climb up the suburban ladder. But in the midst of that, discovered that I really did enjoy it and thought maybe I have an entrepreneurial bone in my body, if not more than one. Trey Hall was also going through the same training, and Trey and I were good friends. And so near the end of this training, um, we started talking about what are we going to do with this. And we talked about what we thought a church could be and what we felt like was missing in Chicago, and we were on the same page. We felt like there were churches that really talked about and were joyful about the difference that gospel could make in people's lives, but were often were not going to be fully affirming, particularly of LGBTQ plus folks. And there were churches that were affirming but it was uh, like whenever they were talking about Jesus, they would lower their voices because <laughs> they don't like to talk about Jesus very loudly. Um, so we thought it can be a church that does both. And Chicago is a city of neighborhoods, and we didn't want to just build uh, one church and expect everybody to come to us, but to be multi-site, have slightly smaller communities throughout the city. Uh, and as Trey would often say, we don't want it to be so earnest. Uh, we want to laugh and have fun. Uh, while we do it too. So that was our proposal, and it finally got the okay. So in the summer of 09, Trey and I kind of hit the ground running. So things that when I was at my suburban church, uh, it, it went pretty well. And when I left, uh, there were lots of tears. They made me this beautiful scrapbook with pictures of me, you know, preaching this and hugs and <laughs> baptisms and, you know, long notes about how I changed their lives, and so I <laughs> loved that scrapbook. So the first few weeks of planting and making all the contacts, all of a sudden the magic, suburban magic, wasn't translating. And people were nice and pleasant, but they weren't coming to the thing. 
uh, and Trey, for those who know Trey, very charismatic, uh, and Trey seemed to be connecting more than I was to people. And so immediately I started feeling like, what have I done? I'm terrible at this. People that I meet with aren't interested in this new church that I'm doing. And so about eight weeks in, I was in my bedroom and was like choking. I mean, I, I had tears in my eyes because I'm like, this is, I'm, I can't do this. I'm not made for this. Trey should just do this on his own. I, I'm bringing nothing to this project. And I got out that scrapbook and started looking through the pages. And I, it was like looking at a different person because I looked at the pictures and I'm like, this person knows what he's doing. He's confident. Uh, he's got his shit together. And I looked at myself at the time. I'm like, what happened to that person? And so that was helpful to kind of help me like realize, like, all right, maybe I can do this. And not long after that, I was standing on the, a train station at the Roosevelt stop in Chicago. And Trey called me, and we would like call each other. Like, if somebody had expressed interest, like we were making a tally. Like, we're at three people now. Now we've got four people. And Trey called me, and he's like, this woman named Holly, who had just moved to Chicago from St. Louis. She was a part of the gathering in St. Louis. And she's interested in this thing that we're doing too. And I literally did a dance on the platform of the Roosevelt stop. Like, we've got five now. It's Trey and me and our spouses and five people. And I'm like dancing on the platform. So fast forward, we launch worship about nine months later and start other sites. And uh, so for several years we had, now we have four sites in the city uh, worshiping on Sunday mornings and expanded staff and all of that stuff. Um, some of you know along the way I wrote a book about failure too because of all the hardships that can come with planting. So Trey left uh, at the end of 2015 and so I had a brief moment of ego gratification like now I'm the guy. Trey's gone. No more co-founder stuff. No more co-lead pastor stuff. I'm the guy. And that lasted for about a week. Uh, <laughs> I realized like Damn, this is going to be hard. And so for the next three and a half years, I was the lead pastor and a site pastor too. And so at Urban Village, we're shifting pretty dramatically our staff. Uh, and we're not fully living into it, but talked a lot about how we want to shift staff. And, um, and so in the new iteration of that, I've given up some of my authority. And now I'm pastor of emerging ministries. So my main job is to start new things, to help Urban Village, which has become kind of established and we've lost that starting new things thing. So that's my job. And on paper, it looked great. Like, yeah, that's what I want to do. But to be honest, a few months ago, I was like, I feel tired. And now I started doing the planting thing when I was 41, and now I'm 51. And I really questioned, do I have the energy anymore to do this? I mean, I think a lot of people say, you've got one good plant in you. And we started four sites. And I'm like, I, I just don't know if I have the energy anymore to do this. But an interesting thing has happened, and I think this is the main thing that I wanted to share for folks who are watching or listening, is you don't lose the original reason why you did this in the first place. Don't lose your first love. Because now we're in the process of potentially looking at taking over a suburban church, a dying suburban church. This is pretty new for us. And so now I'm, I'm doing the things that I did 10 years ago. I'm meeting with folks in the community. I'm doing one-on-ones. Uh, I'm grabbing two, three, four people who are interested in this new project. And it's like I have life again. 
and I didn't realize just how draining it was to keep the system going. I mean, people, you need people to love the system. You need people who have a heart for this. And I think I did it, I mean, I think I did it adequately. I just don't think that's my skill set. And so now I've kind of rediscovered my first love again. And so we met last week with four people who have some ties to Urban Village uh, about relaunching this suburban church so that it might become some kind of Urban Village thing, Site 5. And the next morning I got an email from one of the people there saying, I've not been this excited about church in a long time. That person was Holly, uh, the person who I did the dance about 10 years ago on the platform. She's moved out to the suburbs and had kind of been a little disconnected from Urban Village because mainly because she was out in the suburbs and now has reconnected and wants to be part of this starting it again. Uh, and she sent me an email the next day saying she has a background in curriculum development. She said, what if Urban Village started a children's curriculum? Could we sell that? And so now all of a sudden I'm like, this is why I love this. And so it's easy, especially if you're at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, uh, people hear all your stories. Uh, but if you can recapture that original love of why you do it, I think that can help you then take you at least a few more years uh, into, into what you're doing. I have all the admiration in the world. I think almost all of you did it almost pretty much solo. And I don't know how you did it, uh, really, because to be able to have somebody that you could commiserate with and bitch to and a shoulder to cry on was unbelievable. Uh, not only in the very beginning stages, but also three, four years in, and there'd be times that I'd breakfast with Trey and say, I just don't think I can do this anymore. And he would just kind of nod and say, let's just hold off on that, uh, give it time. And so that was huge. I really don't know if I could have done it by myself. I really don't know if I could have. Um, now, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm wiser and when I first did it, and you'd have a good one-on-one -on -one with somebody, and you'd think, this person's in. Uh, and then they ghost you, uh, and they're not in anymore, and you take it personally, uh, and you're like, what did I do? Is it something that I said, or did I not close the deal, or whatever? And now, when somebody ghosts me, I'm like, well, you know, we're, human, we're humans, you know? It's just like, they're the best and the worst. Uh, and um, so that's a big, I think that's a big difference and I'm not sweating it as much as I did 10 years ago. I think for uh, traditional pastors, I think there's an expectation that when you go into a church that there's going to be people who do things and who are going to volunteer and are going to show up. Uh, and I think when you're a planter, you don't, I, at least in my experience, there wasn't that. Trey and I talked about how the best thing about church planting is you're reaching people who don't know how to do church. And so they're willing to try anything. The worst thing is you're dealing with people who don't know how to do church. Mm -hmm. And so when you need people to show up, uh, clean up. and clean up, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were desperate for that UMW group who you knew they're going to be there for you. And when you're planting, you don't have that. And so I think planters need to have a pretty high threshold for flakiness uh, and for... <laughs> Because, and I, regular church pastors, I don't know if they, not that they don't have that threshold, but I just don't think it's, 
exercised as much uh, as, as planters. And I think, I mean, of course, I'm going to pitch my book, but you just have to be willing, and you talked about this, you just have to be willing that things are not going to work out, and you can't let it be the end, and you have to just look back and reflect and what could we have done better, or like, this was still a great idea, it just, whatever, the talk, timing wasn't good, or the people, or whatever, and so you have, have a pretty high tolerance of failure. It's somewhat unusual to appoint two elders to a plant, and, and more expensive, and so I was mentioning this to Tyler earlier, so they want fruit more quickly, and so we, we launched site one nine months after we were on the ground. We launched site two six months after that, Partly because I think the conference is just like, yeah, let's go, uh, guys, you know, hot shots, um, yeah. And um, so some people have asked, like, what was your formula? Like, once you hit X number in worship, then you knew how to go. We just did it. Like, it, for us, it was more like timing. Like, we knew, like, after the first month of launching Site 1, like, we started talking up, up front, like, all right. Site two's coming. We're going to do Sunday nights in a different part of the city, blah, blah, blah. Site three was easy because we were drawing a ton of people from the north side downtown. So that was an easy one. Site four, two, we were talking about what would we do differently. And that was uh, kind of thrown together too quickly, I think. And so it was kind of haphazard, really, to be honest, the whole thing. A couple of them made sense. A couple of them was just kind of like, by the fourth one, we're like, we're Urban Village, man. This is just what we do. We're just going to start. Uh -huh. I mean, we really, at one point, like, 10 sites in 10 years, you know? Um, <laughs> for the podcasters, I just rolled my eyes and shook my head. Um, because we were, we were kind of full of ourselves. And, um, and we were getting some attention from the denomination, and people were kind of looking at us. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. And now it feels, now it's, gosh, it's six years later uh, that we're planning site possibly five. And um, this one feels more thoughtful. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, it makes sense for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. We have been on the anti-racism journey for the last six or seven years. And the first four sites, we did not, we looked m pretty much only at demographics at what were the hot neighborhoods of Chicago. And we didn't give a whole lot of thought about things like gentrification and colonialism and who are we to kind of go in and didn't do a lot of reflection on who was here before. And um, we're, I'd like to think that we're doing that now with Site 5. Even though it's in a predominantly white suburb, I think we're more thoughtful about how we're going about it and um, what messages that we're sharing, mm -hmm. uh, and um, so I think that's probably the biggest difference. Some of it hasn't changed, just kind of the way that we're building relationships and marketing ourselves and everything else, but um, I think we have a better sense of ourselves um, and a better sense of the community uh, and what are the things that the Mission Insight reports are going to show, but then what are the things that the Mission Insights are not going to show, and I think I don't know, for yes. planters sometimes, and some developers, they look only at those mission insight reports, and they don't do the work of getting in the neighborhood and walking around and having the conversations. Right. Uh, I mean, those reports, you know, 
they're fine for what they are, but it's, it's not the whole story. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have a better understanding of that. And so people will tell me, well, River Forest people believe they do this, this, and this because the reports say that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but, mm -hmm. yeah. We made a big deal the first six years about our birthday. And so every year, one year, two year, three year, we would do a birthday service and we'd bring all the sites together. And after every one of those, especially the first two, I'd be like, you know what, I think this is gonna happen and I think this is going to work. And so I think those, for me anyway, those benchmarks and those times of celebration were so needed because it helped us realize that we're actually, lives are being transformed here and changed. And also, uh, we, we all, from the beginning, we wanted to be able to um, help lift up uh, and nurture and equip young leaders to, to do the, their thing in other parts. They might not be like Urban Village, like Tyler spent nine months with us. And so when we saw that happening and people going out and doing stuff too, that also made me realize like, oh, this is actually, even if Urban Village dies tomorrow, the seeds have been planted. And so, um, but I still, last night, I woke up at 2 a.m. and was just, I couldn't get back to sleep because I still, to this day, I'm like, this whole thing is just going to implode. Like, this thing, it, I still feel like it's kind of hanging by a string. And we're 10 years in. And I'm like, every year, it's like, we're not going to have enough money. What are we going to do? What's, what sites are we going to close? And those 2 a.m. feelings, it's just like, this is the worst. Mm -hmm. I had one last night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, so I don't know if those will ever <laughs> So our th the planting pressure for our third location, our north side, uh, is now a district superintendent. So Urban Village is in two districts, Chicago Southern and Chicago Northwestern, and Brittany is the Chicago Northwestern district superintendent. She's actually now my DS, because uh, River Forest is part of that district. And so it's very odd. Um, and I think there's a slight tension uh, there, and I understand from her point of view, I'm sure she's torn of like, she's part of the system and wants the system to work well, but also her, she had her roots in planting. Um, the advantage is, I think we feel like there's at least somebody at the table, at the cabinet, who has done it and who has a heart for it. And so that's an advantage. So Brittany is the one who said to us, you should think about this suburban thing because I think it, it has the potential. So it's nice to have somebody at the table who gets planting. Uh, but I think there's also a little bit of tension too between, you know, the, I'm assuming the allegiances that she has to the other people at the cabinet and to people that she knows and loves. And so, yeah, it's it's different. <laughs> All right, Christian shared some really amazing points that um, stuck out to me. I don't know if you noticed them as well, but my favorite quote, direct quote from Christian is when he talked about this holy angst that he had to stop climbing the suburban ladder. And that is so tempting when you're, it's early on in ministry and you're just excited that maybe you weren't appointed to like a three or four party charge where you really struggle to get back and forth with transportation. And it can be so comforting to just stay there in suburbia and pastor these large churches. Now, please hear me. There is nothing wrong with having a great, amazing church to serve in the suburbs. 
but it makes it even harder to leave all that security, all that comfort, all that um, stability to go out and start something totally new. So I love that God was clearly calling Christian to plant a church and stirring up that holy angst in him. Um, And as a result, you know, Christian's been there about 10 years the way I was at the gathering, and he experienced what so many of us do, which is as you're with a church plant and it starts to grow and develop, you need systems, you need structure. It's important. It's part of the necessary life cycle of a church plant. And yet, if you're truly a planter, like some of us are, you know, Christian spoke about how he kind of lost his first love, right? And this opportunity to go back out there and to plant again and to envision what it might look like to merge an existing church with the urban village community has really brought life and love back to his heart because he's leaning into that initial call. Um, and and I love this new opportunity for him because it's totally in line with what Urban Village was from day one. Unlike most church planters, Christian and Trey really did it right. They started with this DNA, this mindset of a multi-site ministry. So they knew from day one that they weren't just going to have one church, one location that they were going to spread out. And they've continued to experiment with that and have great success in their multi-site structure. And I love that they did it by saying they wanted to focus on fun and creativity and joy in worship. How might all of our churches be different, be better, maybe reach more people if what drove us on Sunday mornings was not offering or the set routine or having the right napkins for communion, but that we want people to come and experience joy, fun, and creativity in this space as they connect with God. I love that Christian's doing that. And then I also loved his really helpful reminder that when it comes to volunteers, especially in church plants, when they don't really know how much work is needed and how to fully commit to a faith community, that you are to expect, I think he called it, um, or you have to have a high threshold, he said, for flakiness when it comes to volunteers. So that's an important reminder. If you are a church planter and you are frustrated because you feel like you're doing it all by yourself, you're not alone. Christian's with you. Um, Helpful reminder as we move forward. Hope you guys enjoyed this latest episode of Field Preachers. Tune in next week. And as always, reach out to me if there's a story that needs to be told, if you have thoughts or feedback. Um, If it's negative, I'll forward it on to others. If it's positive, I would love to read what you have to say. Email me at rgilmore at umcdiscipleship.org. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.